I know me and my husband are visionaries, so we can kind of see the bigger picture. And then I personally feel like if you have the bigger picture, then you can have the paths to that bigger picture. And I just collect people along the way whose passions align with that. And so I feel like once you get people who are passionate about something, all the hard work is done because they're going to give their heart. And so when you align with people who are doing the work that you're doing and at the same quality as you, it just happens. Paul Munir, the executive director of the Youth Intervention Programs Association, and I'm a youth worker at heart. How lucky am I? I have the privilege to meet youth workers from around the globe and learn their stories and share them with the entire world. I'm glad you're listening because together we'll learn how their life experiences shape their youth work. As you listen, I encourage you to consider how your experiences shape what you have to offer young people. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Altruism is defined as the belief in or practice of selfless concern for the well-being of others. Throughout my adult life, I have strived to become more altruistic, but I have to tell you, it's really, really difficult, and that's probably why a lot of people aren't like that. I want to introduce you to Yaya Cochran from Minnesota here in the United States. She is the founder and executive director of Intentions, a nonprofit working to better the lives of young people. She is one of the most altruistic people I have ever met. She has such a deep passion for young people and is always willing to put their needs in front of hers in a big way. Let me introduce you to her as the guest of this episode of The Passionate Youth Worker. Yaya, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. Let's start by talking about your path into youth work. When did you first know you had such a deep love for supporting our young people? Uh, I was uh, about 12 years old. I became an assistant Sunday school teacher at a church that I was attending. And this particular church uh, catered to children in South Minneapolis. And seeing the youth come there every Sunday filled with so much joy just really like struck my passion to be able to create that world of happiness for them knowing what they were going back to. So, Yeah. So you were only 12 years old when you started this what were you getting out of it? Why did it give you so much joy? What did you receive? Seeing the kids spark, we would do adventures, take walks, just really like getting into their world and being able to see the world that they see, exploring bugs, you know, different things like that. Yeah. And then did you continue working with young people or did you then go on a different path, get your education and then come back to young people? Or have you been working with young people I guess, ever since you started at 12. It's literally been every since. Wow. Aid with the Sunday school program, I ultimately became a teen girls assistant teacher um, where I was um, helping with my peers. And then my ninth grade year, I signed up for the education magnet at Edison High School, where I really got that hands-on experience and education in youth development. And I feel like that was when the light bulb really clicked that while Mm. the development of their brains are like so important 
in the environments that they are in. And so we were able to do hands-on experiences in the classroom in ninth grade year. And then that summer, I got a job at the YMCA and became a youth worker. And that's where it really just stuck as well. So when you were in ninth grade, did somebody, a teacher or a parent or somebody push you in that direction? Or did you willingly sign up to do that work? I willingly signed up. I actually remember being so excited that there was an education magnet. I didn't have to wait until college to really learn all this stuff. So, <laughs> Wow. Well, that's amazing because a lot of us in this field, you know, kind of end up here accidentally and didn't have that clear path. And so you started working at the Y. Is that when you became more serious about turning this into a profession and really dedicating long, significant times to improving your craft as a youth worker? Yes. So I actually worked from the for the YMCA from the time I was in ninth grade all the way up until I had my daughter when I'm maternity leave oh. um, in 2009. <laughs> and I was working at the Y. So I've worked in various positions, um, day camps, overnight camps, uh, after school program. I was a coordinator of an after school program. And then the YMCA mentoring program as well. So this was just in your heart, just something you were attracted to. You didn't have to question if this is the right path or not. It's just always been there for you, right in front of you. Where do you think that came from? Did you have somebody like that growing up? Or do you wish you would have had somebody like that growing up? Is there some sort of connection to that? Uh, I would say I get that from my mom. Um, She was always the one who got down in our world and played with us. Mm -hmm. If we're playing Barbie, she would come and like hurry up and do a little quick scene with us. Or we were playing like school. She would be the principal, even though she was like watching TV. We would like send the naughty kids to her and she'd have a talk with them and sit them in the corner and go back to class. And so she did a really good job of indulging in our imagination and our play, as well as just really guiding us to stay youthful. Sounds like a great mom, and you probably have wonderful memories of that. Were both your mom and dad people who gave back to their community? Did they do like youth work or human services work or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, my mom worked in um, human services. She was like a PCA, Mm -hmm. so it was more of the face-to-face type work. And that's where I feel like I got it. She would, I remember her taking us to volunteer at the different homes that she worked in. And we were like the only youth rolling people around to get their hair done or to dinner. So she really helped us um, understand like that servant's heart. Um, Although she wasn't a churchgoer, we would go like uh, Sundays on Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter, but she made sure to still instill those values in us. You said servant heart. Something I think about a lot is I've kind of coined the phrase a servant youth worker. What does a servant heart mean to you? How would you describe that? Uh, Showing up when no one else does as a big way that I would describe it as well as unapologetically at sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we're not allowed to show up like we want to. So being there, even when people are telling you that that's not where you should be at or different things like that. Yeah. Do you think you bring a lot of that to your work every day? Do you consider yourself a servant to other people? I definitely do, especially when juggling my schedule and understanding. (laughs) (laughs) 
I laugh, but that's like a really big thing to me is really juggling my schedule. So I have important events to go to. If I made a commitment to a young person or if I have like a group that day, I really make sure I'm there first. And so that's like my servant heart, understanding the commitment that I've made to these children. And I don't get to not show up because something's funner or more glamorous, you know, Um, I'm always there. I'm wondering that whole service mentality and being willing to give of yourself. Do you ever have any sense of maybe I should be a little bit more selfish or is it not even possible for you to put the needs of others after your own needs? Um, I'm learning that self-care for myself should take precedence. And so Um, Before, I would jump right in with two feet and be overwhelmed. But now it's more of a checks and balance system. Like, am I able to do this? What else am I committed to? How does this timeline work? work? So I still have that, but I am able to make sure that I can show up with quality in. Yeah. That's really good because when I introduced you, I was talking about altruism. And I think you are one of the most altruistic people But you can't do that without a service mentality, right? I mean, you can't say, I really care about something and I'm willing to give of myself to get it done without sacrificing your own needs. Mm -hmm. Has that ever caused you trouble? I know you're now you're working on trying to get that better life balance, but have you ever got yourself just overcommitted and thinking, oh man, I've bit off too much? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Um, I also like to create events for kids. And so I would have a party every weekend for kids. And so (laughs) there comes a point in time where I have so many events that I'm planning for young people that I'm like, when am I going to blow these balloons up? Can I use this color for this event? Can I do this? You know, and so that's when I feel like I bite off more than I can chew when I'm literally creating things like fun things for them or workshops for them and stacking those up that makes me kind of overwhelmed. Okay. Here's the tough question I'm going to ask you is where does that come from? Is that a value you think was instilled in you? Is it a spiritual thing or is it just that you just care so deeply for young people that you're willing to do all that? I care deeply for young people. The community that we're in is Brooklyn Center, and we're in the heart of Brooklyn Center, what I like to call the heart of Brooklyn Center, mm-hmm. because the neighborhood around us is just filled with young people. We're uh, half a block away from Brooklyn Center High School, and then we're half a block away from where the Dante Wright protest happened at. And so me and my family were there, you know, the nights there. We were bringing like umbrellas to the people and really seeing what these young people were seeing for, I forgot how long it went on, but understanding that that was their view of their community at the time. And me as an adult, it was hard to process. So I was just wondering, like, what are these young people feeling? And so that summer, I want to say, or after that, we bought the center. But it was always been my goal to provide a space for them in their community where they get the same quality programming, the same love, the same commitment as other youth does in more privileged areas. It's amazing. You talked about buying the center, and I want to get into talking about that. (laughs) Can you explain to our listeners who aren't from Minnesota what the Dante Wright 
thing was and that whole event and how you got involved with that? So I'm not necessarily involved on the front line. Um, We were more on our own accord going up there with our family. So Dante Wright was murdered during a police stop by a police officer. And so the community came out and was protesting. And I forget how long the civil unrest uh, happened for, but I remember it being so intense and just seeing the pain and the hurt of the community and there's an apartment building right across the street, and I forgot how many it is, but it was a lot of youth in that apartment building who were literally having like front row seats to all of these things that was going on, the riot gear um, from that the police officers had when people were just being peaceful. You know, we brought the umbrellas because they were getting shot with rubber bullets and gas and all kinds of things. So That was how I helped my family lean in. So our kids brought umbrellas to kind of protect the people. So that's what happened during that time. Yeah. Certainly was a big event here in the state of Minnesota. And I don't know what kind of national attention got, but I can imagine those young people who were there and witnessed that Mm -hmm. and the experiences that they went through had to be very traumatic for them. And they'd probably still be dealing with that Mm -hmm. for a very long time that sparked you to purchase this center. And this is what I want to start getting into your altruism here. Thank you. But we have to take a short break. But when we come right back, I want to talk to you about your decision to buy this center. So we'll be right back. No matter how you support our young people, the professional youth worker powered by Yippa has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org to see for yourself and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy-to-access exceptional trainings. From our blogs to our podcast, The Professional Youth Worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are ridiculously affordable for individuals and organizations. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. Yeah, yeah. Right before the break, you were talking about that you purchased a center. And I don't know if people understand what that means. What do you, this event with Dante Rice got you to be motivated enough to purchase a center. Tell us about that decision and what is this center that you bought? Uh, So the center, we purchased it from Brooklyn Center School District. It was kind of just sitting idle for a while. And there's actually a funny story. Um, One of the custodians or building managers Mm -hmm. came in and put a raccoon in the ceiling. And so like right after that, they're like, okay, we need to sell that because no one's using it anymore. They had built another building for their services. And so We purchased the building, and um, we've been in tensions ever since. How did you get funding for this building? Did you get a grant? Did you get some sort of seed funding from some person that could afford to help you get started? Or how did you purchase this building? So my husband and I have a for-profit business that we manage and we run, and so we use some funds from there to purchase the center. And so you put your own financial well-being into this center. And what do you hope to do with this center? What do you hope to bring to the community with it? 
Uh, so right now, currently, I feel like we're running at full capacity as far as like services that we want. Of course, I always tell people the sky is the limit. So there's always more to do. But um, currently, we have a partnership with the Brooklyn Center School District where we provide, I call them hybrid programming, which is like after after school programming for young people. And we have eight programs in the schools and the center where their youth come into the center and receive programming. We also partner with the city of Brooklyn Center to help bring events, intentional events. We ourselves have um, different 10 core values that we like to incorporate into all of our programming, as well as help the city through our initiatives. And so right now we're doing our health and wellness initiative. So we're thinking of events that we can get young people connected with, resources, other organizations who like have a passion for that. And we get them all together and kind of create these events. Our youth help us as well. And there's other things that's going on. (laughs) Yeah, and I know. And we're going to talk about all the other things that you're willing to jump into. So this center that you bought, are you a wealthy person that you can just go buy a center like this? Uh, Not at all. Yeah. (laughs) No. No, we we like to joke that we ate ramen noodles for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's, yeah. I don't know how many people would do that. You're taking on this big risk, but you didn't really hesitate. And I know your husband is on board with this 100% too. Is that right? Yes. He does. It's called the Lit Boys Leaders in Training. And that's on Mondays at the high school. And he sent me a picture and there was like 10 young guys sitting on tables playing video games. He's like, it starts. And I'm like, okay. So it was pretty cool to see that he he's in the programming. Usually he kind of helps support. He'll go on the barbecue grill. You know, he'll be the ones pulling up with the picnic tables and all the fun stuff. But now he's actually in the programming. I'm just in awe of your willingness to do that. I think, as I was mentioning, I, I try really hard to be altruistic. I don't mm-hmm. think I live up to that very well. And then I meet people like you who are willing to take such big chances. And that's not the only chance you've taken, right? You've got another program about farming that you just started. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. So we bought an 80 acre farm. Wow. (laughs) And so with that, we're going to really push farming initiatives and also environmental initiatives as well. So we started a program called Environmentally Conscious Youth, where we will literally try and find jobs for young people. Uh, We want to bring back litter bug. So we want to teach teenagers how to go into parks and really create a community around parks and help young people understand that, you know, parks are here for our community. We want to beautify them and then also figure out ways to pay young people to maintain them as well as provide environmental programs out of there. Wow. And did you purchase this farm the same way you purchased this center in Brooklyn Center? Yes, we did. Wow. Do you feel nervous about that at all? Or are you just thinking, I care so deeply about this, it's all going to work out? How do you feel so comfortable with that? Um. I think me and my husband, I know me and my husband are visionaries, so we can kind of see the bigger picture. And then I personally feel like if you have the bigger picture, then you can have the path to that bigger picture. And I just collect, I call them collecting people. They call it collecting people along the way Mm -hmm. whose passions align with that. And so I feel like once you get people who are passionate about something, 
all the hard work is done because they're going to give their heart. And so when you align with like people who are doing the work that you're doing and at the same quality as you, it just happens. And I know when we were getting to know each other, you talked about when you were at the Y, you kind of always wanted to have your own Y. You kind of wanted to start something. Is this where you're trying to go with it? Did you want to establish something that's a mainstay in your communities that will be ongoing and supportive of young people? Is this like a legacy you want to leave or... Uh, It definitely is a legacy. I always say intentions is small. I don't know if I'll ever want to be on the YMCA's level. I am very comfortable and loving grassroots. So we have a lot of opportunities to do grant work and, you know, like from the city and on a federal level. I'm not there yet. And so I really want to maintain that small and personal experience that I'm able to have with intentions without having, you know, like the not necessarily big brother, you know, looking over you. But with that, I've always said I wanted the same quality of programming, the same quality of youth work, the same quality of services as the YMCA. So even though we're small and we're grassroots and we like are surviving on our own, I really want to have those same qualities that the YMCA has and allow the children of this community to experience that YMCA quality right here in their own backyard. Your heart is so big. Do you get people to follow you? I mean, they must see this in you and go, how can I help? I want to be involved. I mean, do you find that it's, I don't want to say simple or easy, but are you able to recruit people into your vision and help them come along and get closer to achieving that? Uh, Yeah. So I have a sisterhood of, I think we're at 209 Black American women who we create a space for them to heal, grow, learn. One of the core values that we have is also serve. And so a lot of those ladies lean into intentions when we're doing like the volunteer and the service learning projects, as well as if they're passionate about environmental issues, then they can lean in. And now we have a committee that's going to plan all of these great events with the young people. And so a lot of the women who are in our programs, uh, we run off of volunteer power. And so they volunteer their time. My goal is to always get them paid, at least a paid volunteer position. But if nothing else, I know they will be there if the money is not there. And so, yeah, I think it's easy because I have a big pool to pull from. And I appreciate your words, like you saying that I am altruistic and you know, kind. I think they see, I know they see that as well. And so it's when you come off like that and people are able to like check your spirit and soul, it's easy for them to follow you when they know that they're in good hands and and they're doing fun stuff with young people. So yeah, everybody wins in that scenario, including the young people. Right. And yeah, I could tell almost right away when I met you that there's something special about your heart and something special about your soul. And That is really what it takes to carry out a vision. This group that you're involved with, the Sisterhood of Black Women, I think you said it's called She Is Me? Yes. Are they all like you or do you stand (laughs) out even? Are you the only one that's doing all these like freakishly good things or is everybody kind of at that level? Uh, I feel like everyone's in their own lane My goal is to have everybody following their dream, is to have everybody living according to their passions. 
And so I feel like, yes, because once we get on an initiative or once we start planning something, then it can get pretty big, (laughs) big, fast. Uh, So, yeah, I am around like minded women. One of the things that we ask is that every time we're in a space with a young person or with each other or even when we're like engaging online, that we show up as the most healed version of ourselves. And so that means if something happens between me and you, we're checking that not assuming ill intent and really just like coming as your most healed self. Cause we know that everybody has things that they need to uproot yeah. and that from our childhood or just, you know, some people mental capabilities. And so really showing up as the most healed version of yourself is what's going to keep that space beautiful and authentic. That most healed version of yourself. What a wonderful way to say it. And we're constantly in a state of healing, right? As life goes on, because things keep happening to us. Hmm. Quick question. Do you pull a salary out of what you do? Are you getting paid from the nonprofit organization you started or from the center or from this farm, have you been able to recruit any of that money? Uh, no, I think that's just my heart again. <laughs> it is just amazing. It's like, can you at least put it in the 401k? I'm like, yeah. no, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't get a salary with the grant that we are the partnership that we have with the school. I was able to keep it very low so that really low so that a lot of the money can go back into the schools and with the youth so we don't get paid for the center. We save Tuesdays for like community events, but um, other than that, the space is used all the evenings and the during the week for the young people. And no, we don't get paid for that as well as the farm, not, not just yet. So, Well, this is what I'm saying. So a lot of people talk about being passionate. A lot of people are passionate and really do care, but we all have a line that we draw somewhere and your line is just way off to the side about (laughs) what you're willing to do. And I can't begin to tell you how great it has been to get to know you, that I am grateful for getting to know you and learn about the work you're doing because the world needs more people like you. And I can't imagine how this place would be so much better if everybody had the heart and the spirit Mm -hmm. that you do, the kindness, the love, and the compassion that you show for others is really just stands out. It really stands out as something very different. So thank you for all you're doing. And I wish you nothing but the very best. And I'm pretty sure you're going to fulfill that mission because your heart is leading this whole thing. And if your heart is in it, nothing will stop you. So thank you for being a guest on the show too. Thank you for creating this space for people. You bet. I appreciate it. I was very inspired by the previous podcast that I seen. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's people in the world doing great work. So, and being able to be heard as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And before we go, I'd like to ask you, what words of wisdom or inspiration would you like to leave with the listeners? I would say for adults and even young adults, if you work in child development or even in your family, try to create a world where children are able to show up as their most authentic selves. 
One of the things that I do is I make sure I affirm all children that are in my presence and people as well, but really create an environment where children know that they are protected, supported, and then also have the world at their fingertips through things that we can create for them. If you would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. If you have feedback about the show, please let us know. Just visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org and click on the podcast tab. This podcast is made possible in part due to a generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Munir. Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker.